Welcome in to the Paul Kuharski podcast. I'm Paul Kuharski of paulkuharski.com. This is part of 440 Sports. I have fulfilled my contractual obligation and I've mentioned my name three times. Here's what we're going to talk about today. Stadium progress. We are nearing the uh, dotted I's and cross T's for the new Nissan Stadium, whatever it'll be called. That's going to be finalized before the end of the month. Um, the outlay from the Titans has led me to questions about Amy Adams Strunk's finances. I'll touch on that. The bulk of this podcast is going to be a conversation with Matt Harmon of Yahoo Sports and of Reception Perception, a very well-named site. He is expert on wide receivers. The Titans are not. So we'll talk to him about what the Titans have and what the Titans need uh, heading into a very big draft, obviously. And I'll wrap up with the idea of the Titans getting one of the four top quarterbacks in this draft, an idea that makes me really kind of cringe. We're brought to you by Jasper's, your neighborhood uh, restaurant and bar done better. So um, stadium finances, um, the stadium paperwork has been approved, not approved, but approved by the Nashville Sports Authority. That was one of the two final steps for this team. The Metro Council meeting on Tuesday night ran way long um, and they did not finish. So basically they deferred what needed to happen at this meeting and was on track to happen, the second reading. They deferred that to the meeting coming up on April 18th. It'll happen on April 18th, and then there will be a third and final reading at a specially called meeting that will happen before the end of April. This thing should be wrapped in a bow by then, before the draft, really, Uh, And the Titans and the city should be in shape to have a ceremonial shovel in the ground um, this summer for a big uh, marketing event and party and the like. Um, But your parking's not going to be disrupted because construction's not going to start until after the 2023 season. So you'll be able to have one last season of regular tailgating at Nissan Stadium in 2023 then real shovels in the ground uh, will take place in that east parking lot, the big parking lot, after the 2023 season. And uh, the disarray will begin while the Titans play in one stadium and build another stadium in the main parking lot of that stadium in 2024, 2025, 2026, with the expectation of it opening in 2027. So that's the course of events there. It's pretty exciting, but somehow opening in 2027 feels a lot longer off than 2026 did. Um, so that's um, that's where things stand on that. Look, there's huge financial outlay here, $860 million plus cost overruns from Amy Adams Strunk and the Titans for the new stadium. And she has, uh, since 2020, spent you know significant money to buy out 
she and the other third of ownership, Kenneth Adams, Barclay Adams, Susan Lewis, Amy Adams Strunk had a third. Um, Amy Adams Strunk had a third. Um, and Susie Smith had a third. Susie Smith wanted out. So the two thirds that were in Nashville bought out the one third that was not. That was a big uh, chunk of expenditure. She bought some land in Williamson County that was costly. And now they're going to make this big expenditure on the stadium. I went to the owners meetings in Arizona. And one of the big questions I had on my list is what kind of financial shape are the Titans in? Um, so by the time you listen to this, I should have a story up on uh, paulkuharski.com that uh, tells you what I found out in uh, in Arizona about the financial condition of the Titans for the football money that you might worry uh, gets taken away by the infrastructure um, money. So stay tuned for that. And I think um, you'll be pleased to hear what I found out regarding that. Let's get right into this wide receiver conversation. A lot of curiosity of what the Titans are going to do here. They are obviously too thin. They're counting primarily on two second-year guys with Traylon Burks, um, you know, who showed a good deal of promise as a rookie but was also dinged up, and Kyle Phillips, who hardly played because he was injured. Um, so Matt Harmon has thoughts on those two guys on the top guys in this draft and on other guys that the Titans clearly have some interest in heading in to the end of April, where they're going to add, I would hope, two wide receivers. Um, let's bring in Matt. So I'm thrilled to be joined by Matt Harmon from Yahoo and Reception Perception. I was crediting him for a great name, and he said he didn't come up with it. But you're <laughs> smart enough to use somebody else's great name. So uh, get credit for that. Yeah, I, I appreciate it, Paul. Yeah, I'm uh, very, very happy with the name being a great uh Great creation by a friend of mine and, you know, getting all the necessary permissions to to use it, uh, of course. But, you know, yeah, of course, the, the work is is, my, is the real fun part with the wide receivers and charting all the routes. And, you know, I've learned so much over the years and I'm excited to talk about it today. So as a receivers expert, um, I imagine you don't like the Titans during the season, but you do like the Titans during draft season when they are as needy as anybody could be. Uh, I mean, I did, I did love them when a certain number eleven played there for for a little, a few years. Yeah. That 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 was a fun time. Uh, he, you know, AJ Brown's always been one of the top performers in success rate versus man and press coverage, so he he was fun. But yeah, this this current Titans group, I'm I'm excited to see how they put it together. And I mean, I, I could ask you, like, kind of what the team vision is overall, like what their what their plan is this year, and like going forward and kind of retooling that roster. That that's obviously fun to track. But yeah, they're kind of. Um, I wouldn't say a total blank slate of a wide receiver room, but I think they could go a lot of different directions with this wow. room. I, I would say close to a total blank slate. Uh, the one thing yeah. that I, I'd been asking that they haven't come right out and said, but <clears throat> you know, they want to be faster. seems clear to me that they have to trade some size and speed, especially given that the fact that they, there's no, you know, 
it's the wrong year uh, to, to really need the, the great, mm-hmm. great receiver uh, at 11. Um, not that, they, you know, he'd probably be gone at five or six, but that size and speed combination that they'd love, it doesn't seem like there's a magical one there for them. But I think it's time to trade some of the size that they like so much for some of the, the speed and maybe route craft that comes more easily. We'll get to that in a second. Let's, let's start with Traylon Burks, who's their one big hope out of the mm-hmm. A.J. Brown mess and everything. What, what do you make of what he did in college, what they asked him to do as a rookie when he was healthy enough to be on the field? What kind of progress did you see from him there? How big was that transition? What kind of jump would you expect in year two? Yeah, Burks is a really fascinating player because you look at him as a collegiate player and you see some of his highlights when he's you know operating on the outside in tight coverage and you think, oh, this is like a big X receiver, your your AJ Brown types. And I know he got like the AJ Brown comparisons by others, um, but like when you actually dialed into his usage it was such a strange role they had him in at Arkansas um in his reception perception sample which for for the folks who don't know what reception perception is essentially I'm going in over an eight game sample for NFL players and for college players and charting every single route that they run in that sample where they line up how often they get open against press man zone coverage how often they run each route type how often they get open each route type uh, their b- broken tackles in the open field, contested catches, essentially just trying to paint the full picture of a wide receiver. But really, what I've learned over the years is that everything starts with where you're deployed. Because, uh, it, it, like one wide, perfect example, you know, one wide receiver's not at the same as the other. The Titans draft Traylon Burks last year. They draft Kyle Phillips in the late rounds. Those two guys couldn't, you know, be any different in terms of what they what they look like, how they play on the field, etc. So Traylon Burks in college had this very unique role where. In his reception perception sample, he took 80.5% of his snaps in the slot or the backfield and 84% of his snaps off the line of scrimmage. Um, And then in the first four weeks that I charted for the in-season rookie report, which is on the site, he was 18.8% of his snaps in the slot or backfield and then 26.6% off the line of scrimmage. So essentially completely flipping his role, which I thought was fascinating because essentially then you're you're kind of asking him to learn a new position basically because you want him to be that outside x receiver which i think is fine considering the frame but you know you you were going to take your lumps early on i think that was true before he had that i think it was a high high ankle sprain or or something or toe injury uh in week four like you're going to take your lumps there learning a new position as, as a guy like Traylon burke so I thought that was a fascinating decision because I think if you wanted him to make like a, a day one impact, you'd take him and put him as like a big slot receiver like we've seen, you know, like he played in college. You know, Juju Smith-Schuster was a player I think played a similar role. That was not the way the Titans approached, and I think that's it makes sense because of the offense they play. They don't spread the field with a ton of receivers. They don't play a lot of 11 personnel. They're a heavier uh, set offense, as you mentioned. So I think a lot of what you saw from him as a rookie is taking those lumps learning in that new position and you know really I'm kind of ready to believe anything with Traylon Burks going forward like if he continues to kind of stay at this level and you know continues not being an incredible route runner incredible technician you know he could he could be a very good starting receiver and maybe that's where he caps off but you know if he continues to learn the craft and continues to develop in that position he could obviously uh develop much further than that yeah he's like a lot of guys for them too like 
with the Titans, as injured as they've been the last two seasons, it starts a lot with uh, how healthy is he going to be? Mm-hmm. How much is he going to be on the field? How much can they rely on him? But I think certainly he's an outside guy. Maybe they'll play more too tight, depending on what they do at tight end here, receiver needy. I think they'd certainly love to get Phillips back and have him be uh, the slot. But they need to find two more guys here. One of them needs to be uh, an outside starter, pretty much. And the other one needs to be at at least, you know, three slash four type to give them some depth so that one injury doesn't completely undo what they have. So let's talk through the the top three guys. I'm really curious, you know, give me, you know, a little bit of the most interesting thing you've found about them as you look at them and then maybe how they fit into what we're talking about envisioning the Titans as Uh, Quentin Johnston certainly seems like the the most Titans like in terms of the, the build at 6'3 and, and 208, and he's, he's sub 4'5. But there's questions about his abilities with contested catches, which is mm-hmm. something that the Titans wouldn't like out of a guy that size. And feel free to throw in something about how these guys block at any stage mm-hmm. because I, I'm convinced they might go smaller, But and, and he's not smaller, certainly. But anybody coming in is going to have to be able to block downfield if they're sticking with a Derrick Henry centered offense which i expect them to do yeah um this year's free agent class you know with guys like alan lazard you know robert woods ended up signing with with the texans really got me uh talking about wide receiver blocking more than ever this offseason which you know people don't like fans love it i mean it's the first thing the titans talk about is how a receiver blocks never mind deep touchdowns or yak or any of that Hey, we're going to bring in a receiver. We're going to talk first about how he blocks downfield. Fans love that. They soak it up. They write <laughs> it down in say. their fantasy draft sheets. It's, it's popular. Yeah, like, oh, man, this is a big-time blocker. Yeah, now I'm excited about this receiver pick. That's for sure. Um, but it is important for these teams that do want to establish the run. I, I think Quinton Johnson is interesting because, yeah, the, as much as I think Traylon Burks needs to develop and – take another step or two as a route runner, as a technician, as a separation based receiver. He's a great 50, 50 ball receiver. I think he's strong as hell at the catch point. You know, he knows how he has a big frame and he knows how to use it. Like he knows how to leverage guys. He knows how to frame guys out and, and, and box out defenders. And he's, a, I, I think he's kind of underrated in terms of how he times his jumps and his leaps and everything like that. Johnson is like the complete opposite where Johnson at TCU, you know, it's a simple route tree. It's a lot of go routes, slant routes, post routes. Every now and again, you're going to see like a hitch or or some sort of crosser. But it's a pretty simple route tree, pretty stripped down. There are times where he runs past guys in man coverage. Like he has a very high success rate versus man coverage, 74.8%. That's one of the best scores in this class. It would have been a pretty good score even based in last year's class. The areas where he struggles – is against zone coverage, kind of that timing and rhythm of a play. When do you sit down? When do you present yourself as a reasonable target for the quarterback? He struggles with press coverage as well. Getting off the line of scrimmage, he doesn't always have a concrete plan in terms of his release packages, in terms of everything that you're going to ask a number one X receiver to do. Now, obviously, if the Titans draft him, you know he would be a guy that they could get off the line of scrimmage, they could use as a flanker because you already have Traylon Burks growing into that X receiver position. I think it's a little samey in terms of Burks and 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 Johnston, two guys that 
you have some questions about the separation, about the the overall speed of your offense. Like, I do think Johnston is a little overrated as a pure athlete, especially because he hasn't capitalized on all that leaping ability that he has. But I do think he's more, and I th- honestly, I think he would be a big reach at like a top fifteen pick. I think he's probably more back half of the first, early half of the second. I compare him to a guy like Christian Watson last year. A simple route tree, questionable ball skills, but man, you get him on slant, post, go, deep over routes, he's going to make some big plays. So I actually wouldn't mind him as a number two receiver overall, but I, I think for what Tennessee needs is, yeah, they might want to sacrifice some some size for speed and separation ability. So where's Jackson Smith and Jigba fit in that? seems maybe a little too slotty. The thing that's most striking to him about me is somehow somebody got Brian Hartline to, to rank his recent (laughs) guys. And he puts them second behind only Harrison. Who's not coming out till next year ahead of Garrett Wilson, ahead of Terry McLaurin, ahead of Chris Olave. Yeah. um, I've actually spoken to both Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, and they will both tell you too. Jackson Smith and Jigba is the best of the three of us now is some of that like they're hyping up their boy you know they're hyping up their guy it's it's his turn to get drafted what do they care if they say he's better sure but it is at least notable that they've said that to me they've said that to other outlets heartline said it um and i think what's so great about jackson smith and jigman and paul for me he is the number one receiver in the class and i i actually think there is a tear drop maybe between him and the next like few players, or at least to me, I, maybe he's in the same tier as a couple of other guys, but I do think he, to me, would be my number one receiver on, on a board. But you mentioned like, is he worth 11? Yeah. I mean, I, look, I, I don't, I think he's worth top 15 pick. Like he's the only receiver I think in this class that I think is worth a top 15 pick. Um, I would be kind of surprised if he went 11, just because you mentioned the slot sound again, what are, what are the Titans? What is the Titans offense going to be? Are they going to be more 11 personnel? Are they going to spread the field out a little more? Because I do think similar to like when Justin Jefferson came into the NFL and a lot of people hammered, he only played in the slot. He only played in the slot. He only played in the slot this last year in uh, with LSU. It's like, but you watch him play, you watch him beat man coverage and press coverage, the limited reps that you got. He was an elite, elite route runner at the collegiate level. Same with Jackson Smith, the Jigba, 75% success rate versus man, 81.4% success rate versus own small, small, small limited glimpses against press coverage, only 4.8% of his routes sampled, but 83%. I mean, it's absurdly high. So I think he profiles similar to a Justin Jefferson that if you wanted him to play, I don't think he's necessarily going to be that level of player. Cause you know, I, I hate to compare guys to like legit all pros, but I do think he could be a guy that plays more outside in the NFL than people think. I think he is just so reliable, great route runner, knows how to turn guys around. I mean, dig routes, out routes, those intermediate routes are his specialty. I think he's going to end up being like a quarterback's best friend. You know, if they took him, it, it just Titans live in that world for a second. Like he takes, he goes to their 11th overall pick and he's played with Traylon Burks. Like I would probably b- b- bet that he ends up being a better player in the long term and like more reliable than a guy like Traylon Burks. And is Addison the the third of this? And do you have him second or third? To me, I, I go Jackson Smith and Jigba, um, and then I really struggle at two and three between uh, Zay Flowers uh, and Jordan Addison. Jordan Addison is interesting because we've seen him be a big-time producer at two programs, and he it definitely fits the archetype of receiver that I really like. I don't think he's necessarily an X receiver. I think he actually kind of profiles similar to a guy like Jahan Dotson last year where smaller player, 
probably would be get his best reps in the slot, but again, can hack it as an outside flanker receiver. The thing with Dotson that was nuts was that he, it, it, both in the collegiate level and his first year in the NFL, was like an absurd contested catch receiver despite that size. Um, what really makes, I think, Jordan Addison special, you look at his route chart on reception perception, his dig route, slant route, and curl route success rate is just crazy high. I mean, he is going to get open over and over and over again on those routes. So really crafty player. I think a pro ready player. Like if you, if a team drafts him in the first round, they're going to drop him in as their starting flanker. And I think go from, from day one, cause he's pro ready flowers is interesting because I, I I'm kind of ready to, again, ready to believe almost anything about where he plays because unlike some of these guys, you know, Johnston, only lines up on one side of the field and on the line of scrimmage as that X receiver. Jackson Smith, the Jigba only really lines up as a slot receiver for Ohio state. Um, even Jordan Addison, who you see a little bit of slot, a little bit outside. He's really only lining up on one side of the field. Flowers played everywhere at Boston college. He played inside. He played outside. He played flanker. He played X receiver. And even though he's only five, nine and sub 190 pounds, he plays like a badass, you know, he, he'll, he'll win in contested areas. He will win off the line of scrimmage. He'll, he's a great route runner overall, both deep, short and intermediate. He's been a, a mistake prone player though. He's a guy that will drop passes. He'll make errors after the catch a, a little bit, almost like a guy like Deontay Johnson, who great route runner produces a lot, gets a lot of targets, but is a mistake prone player. Um, that's why I kind of go back and forth between Addison and flowers. Cause I think there actually might be a higher ceiling for flowers, Addison just feels so, so safe to me that it's, it's kind of a juggling act there in terms of what do you like it when with these smaller receivers who are probably going to play a little outside, a little inside. Let's stick with our blocking theme. What, what can Addison and Flowers do downfield in a run game? Yeah, that's going to be tough. I mean, especially for a guy like Jordan Addison, who's a who's a rail thin dude. Now, Flowers, again, I will give him credit this guy, Paul, if you watch him on film, like he is plays with a ton of fire and a ton of passion and energy. And I think because of his route running and because of his, the way he approaches the game, he gets a lot of like Antonio Brown comparisons. Um, I, again, not only do not want to compare players to uh, all pros, I don't want to do it to like guys who were top five playing the position, uh, maybe all time. I mean, he was that good at his peak. So I don't, but I see where people are coming from with that. So flowers, I think, would throw his body around a little bit more probably. And even if Addison is willing, he's just so thin, so low BMI, that would be a bit of a struggle to me. But, you know, these guys aren't built the same way as this player, but one of the best blocking receivers in the NFL is Brandon Ayuk from the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah. And he's not like Alan Lazard, 6'5", 230, but he's just got a great attitude about it. He's got great technique. He's got a great punch. I do think Flowers has a little bit of that. But again, you're, you're definitely sacrificing a bit um, with Addison. You're hitting on these guys. I would have loved for the Titans to have uh, shown interest in Ayuk, Dotson, uh, an, an element that they just didn't seem yeah. willing to take. We're going to see what Rand Carthon's willing to do. Let's run, if you will, through some guys that they have uh, shown some level of interest in at their pro days, at the combine, or with visits. Um, Josh Down from North Carolina. I know he's also slottish um, and doesn't fit the the old si size profile. Does bring the speed that they're, that they're looking to add. Talk me through Josh Downs. Oh, I love Josh Downs. 5'9", um, 
171 pounds. Definitely very, very different from uh, a Traylon Burks or any of these guys that we're talking about. I, I'm just such a fan of the way he is able to read coverages, diagnose uh in terms of option routes. I mean, that's going to present a whole new dimension to the Titans offense that we haven't seen over the last few years. I, I love the way he beats man coverage as a smaller player. He actually has the highest success rate versus man among the prospects that I've charted right now. A lot of that is playing inside. He's not necessarily going to be an X receiver who plays uh, outside on the line of scrimmage. I, we don't expect that a player of his size, but just knows how to get open. He's also another player that, despite the size, is tough as hell. He also has the highest contested catch rate that I've tracked for these collegiate players, which, again, is crazy because he's 5'9", 171 pounds. I love Josh Downs. I think he would make almost any NFL team happy, uh, almost any NFL offense he would fit if you use that slot receiver a ton. Um, obviously, the size is going to be a concern, but – he does everything that you want out of a smaller receiver uh, playing above that size. I'm a, I'm a big fan of his game. Titans apparently really wined and dined uh, Tyler Scott before his pro day at Cincinnati. Um, I've read multiple places, T.Y. Hilton comparison. Is that is that an accurate uh, comp to you? Yeah, I've only seen a few games of Tyler Scott. Don't have a full profile on him just yet, but – I think I can see that uh, in terms of a smaller guy who, again, you probably want to play off the line of scrimmage. There's so many guys like that in this class. I mean, this is if they're looking for that speed flanker receiver, there's a lot of players in this class that could fit that. Tyler Scott's definitely one of them. Um, I, I think he is pretty samey, but a slightly discounted version to a guy like Marvin Mims in this class as well. Um, but yeah, Tyler Scott, I think he's he's definitely more of the guy that you're going to look for as an intermediate player uh, and deeper player. If you're looking for that speed flanker receiver that you can move into the slot at times, but yeah, typologically archetype wise, that makes a lot of sense to me. Trey Tucker. I don't know if he's just getting latched on because they're looking at Scott sounds yeah. quite a bit more raw. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's like, maybe day three pick, maybe priority free agent type of guy uh, that you might end up pairing with. But if they drafted him, I would imagine that that's going to take a little time if, in terms of developmental guy. And how about Jacob Copeland uh, from Maryland who uh, doesn't have the production really? No, yeah, honestly, I, he's not someone I've, uh, I've, I've looked at yet. So he's definitely a, a little bit off there. Tank Dell, though, you mentioned is interesting. Um, Tank Dell is like, uh, I mean, we're talking about they want to, sacrifice size for for blocking or blocking ability for with size there yeah that that's going to happen with tank dell but he's a guy that i think has legitimate pro level route running ability i, I love the way he separates i love the way he separates in tight spaces um i mean man he he's going to be interesting as a red zone threat he was great as a red zone threat in college but um you know sometimes that doesn't necessarily translate but i i do love the way he runs routes i love the way as a deceptive player, he sets up guys. That's very appealing to me, you know, and I'm interested to see where he ends up getting drafted. So just circling back, if you're going hard as the Titans and, and really making a big move here, and, and they've been big players. I mean, Corey Davis, uh, mm -hmm. A.J. Brown, uh, Burks now, if they went first round here, that'd be what? four in the top two rounds in yeah. relatively, oh. relatively short order. Um, and you can set yourself up with Burks, um, Smith and Jigba and, and conceivably uh, Phillips as your slot, maybe go a little bit 
back to, to more frequent two tights with, with Chigakonkwo. And uh, I would expect an incoming inline guy who maybe uh, this is a good draft for those guys who could, could, could uh, stay in, help, help a tackle, but also go out and make a catch. What do you think of a potential trio uh, if Smith and Jigba was the guy coming in? What did you think of Phillips coming out? I liked Phillips a lot. He he it was featured in the rookie roundup on the site uh, from last year, uh, kind of like mini samples on some of the like day three prospects and everything. And I really like Kyle Phillips. I think he profiles. I, I know this is so like stereotypical white slot receiver, but he profiles so well as like a Hunter Renfro type of player. I think he makes so much sense as a, a slot receiver that. I, I love the way the timing and tempo of his routes different than a guy like Josh Downs, who I'm a big fan of his is like explosive and has that great tempo. Phillips sort of sneaks up on you. I think he's a smart player in terms of where to sit down against zone coverage. And, and that's really important. I, I think with Jackson Smith and Jigba, it's really interesting because I do think he can play as a flanker. You're probably going to want him to be 50, 50 slot or 60, 40 slot just because you're going to get the best out of him and he's going to hit the ground running. You don't want him necessarily overloaded with new information because he's only ever really been a slot receiver because we didn't see him play last year with the injury. But I do think he could play outside. I think he can win in those two receiver sets. And again, he's such a smart player that if you're rebuilding your passing game, you're rebuilding uh, the way you're going to operate overall – I love that fit. I love that fit for almost, like I said, any team, because I think he can win in that intermediate, like the base NFL routes. And especially if this team is going to remain extremely run heavy with Derrick Henry and they're going to be a bully ball type of team, they're going to want to be an efficient play action offense. And they were so efficient play action offense wise with A.J. Brown because like you faked the ball to Derrick Henry, AJ Brown has single coverage and he's just going to thump corners on out routes and dig routes and crossing routes, deep posts and stuff like that. Jackson Smith, the Jigba is very different from a guy like AJ Brown, but he can win on those routes. And really those are also the routes you also want Traylon Burks running a little bit. I think there'd be some decent overlap between the two of them. I think if you're building like an idealistic receiver core, I think maybe even Jordan Addison might be a better fit. Just at the 11th overall pick, it's high. So you have Traylon Burks as your X. You have uh, Kyle Phillips as your slot. And then Jordan Addison as, as your speed flanker receiver to stretch things out a little bit and also give you that crossing route appeal. They're a fun team, again, because we, we talked about the blank slate appeal. They could go a variety of different directions. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, they need more picks. You know, it's so much being talked about about the potential for them to go up to three and get a quarterback. I'd be perfectly happy to see him dump to, to, you know, 17, 18, 20, yeah. take a receiver there. If they're, if they're not going offensive line where they are, get the receiver that fits there, get some more picks to get another receiver later, offensive lineman, inline tight end, edge rusher, inside linebacker. It's a long list. Mm-hmm. So uh, it'll be interesting. Hey, I, I enjoy your stuff on Twitter. I encourage people to check out reception perception Matt Harmon's been uh, been our guest on the Paul Kuharski podcast. Thanks very much, and uh, have a good draft season here. Appreciate you, Paul. Yeah, stay stay well and stay busy, man. I know we all are here leading up to the NFL draft, that's for sure. So you can follow Matt on Twitter, at Matt Harmon underscore BYB, at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. 
podcast is brought to you by Jasper's. I hope you're getting familiar with them. Great restaurant and bar on West End in Nashville. Uh, free games and free parking to help occupy your time down there. Let your hair down. Figure of speech from me, obviously, Shuffleboard, Papa Shaw, and more. There's a grab-and-go market if you're on the fly. Uh, I sit at the bar oftentimes. You could have a business meeting there. You could have a family dinner. You can have a dinner date, a uh, big screen TV to catch the big game. The Bolognese is uh, top of my list on the menu there. Um, really lively place, friendly um, great food, great neighborhood vibe. Uh, I can't recommend you go there highly enough. Please tell them I sent you. Um, I pre uh, appreciate your support of me and I would pre appreciate your support of them. And around we go where we all help each other out. So please make a point of stopping by there as soon as you can and have a tasty cocktail. I should have one in my hand right now. Uh, clanking it and toasting you and them. Uh, and before we go, I, I wanted to talk uh, about Mike Herndon's piece this week. He, he wrote about the cost of a trade. This is at paulkuharski.com. Cost of a trade and what it would take for the Titans to get up to number three. And uh, unsurprisingly, it, it's pretty expensive to get up there. Now, he and I agree you, you wouldn't go up to three with Arizona and let, and you know, until draft day, until Arizona's on the clock, you'd have a deal in place and say, Hey, <clears throat> we'd like to come up there. If our guy is there, you know, now I could see the appeal of CJ Stroud and, uh, and even, even young, but I'm really having my trouble getting my head around uh, Will Levis or Anthony Richardson. Um, and I wrote this week a little bit about Bill Purcell, Parcell's uh, prescription for rookie quarterbacks. Um, now, I, I would think that Bill Parcells might say uh, the circumstances of, of the guys who are coming out of, of college now may have changed. He last coached in 2006, I believe, and last was an executive in 2010. But he wanted a three-year starter who had been a senior and graduated Started 30 games, 123, had a two-to-one touchdown-to-interception ratio and was at least a 60% passer. You know where Anthony Richardson is on that list? 0 for 7. 0 for 7. I'm not taking a guy that's 0 for 7 on that list. I have no interest in Anthony Richardson, certainly not in the top 11 of the NFL draft. There is just too much work to do with him. And I understand he's a very, very attractive athlete, but there's too much learning on the job for a guy that started 13 games uh, and went six and seven. I know quarterback wins are not a, a quarterback stat, but that's what his team did when he played. It It's just not enough. And there's too much work to do there. And Will Levis you know, his completion percentage was, was okay, but he's erratic thrower and an erratic decision maker. And I think if the Titans were to take one of these guys, and look, I don't mind the idea that they're thinking they're high, they're not going to be this high, and now could be the time and go get their quarterback of the future. These just aren't good enough quarterbacks to warrant them making those moves. 
especially considering all the other problems that they have. And, and this is, is my firm stance on this. If you're drafting a Will Levis or an Anthony Richardson, then you're really doubling down on Tim Kelly as your new offensive coordinator and on Charles London as your new quarterback coach slash passing game coordinator. You know, I'd like to see a little bit of these guys before I – hand over the guy who's supposed to be the next franchise quarterback, or I'd like to give them somebody better. And I understand that the Titans can't count on being in as good a, or better a draft position next year, but next year you sell the fort if if you feel you have to go and, and get a quarterback. And, and, and Caleb Williams and the kid from North Carolina both stand to be much better prospects not just than Levis and Richardson, but probably than Stroud and, and Young. But I really fear the idea that the Titans are going to give up significant draft capital to go get one of these two guys. And they could be doing, let's keep this in mind, they could be doing the necessary research to decide that they don't want these guys, to decide that they don't see enough in these guys, that they're not valuable enough and that the wise thing to do is to take the offensive tackle to take the wide receiver we just talked about some of them with uh with our guest matt Harmon, is to trade back and gather more picks more picks that could help them next year move up if if it's uh if, if that's the time that they envision that they need to go get the quarterback but I don't know what the fan level of enthusiasm is for these quarterbacks. The Titans have not done well drafting quarterbacks since Steve McNair. And I think if they were to draft Levis or Richardson, that streak would continue as much faith in, as I have in, in Mike Vrabel and player development. Uh, I, I don't think these guys are, are there to be developed in the same way that uh, that some other players they've brought in are. Now, look, I come in, I'll be critical of, of making the move, depending on what they give up to, and how far they go up to get them. And then at a certain point, I've got to clean slate it and, and give them their, their fair chance. But I'm really, really wary. And I think you should be really, really wary too. And, uh, and Will Levis or Anthony Richardson need somebody to throw to and somebody to play left tackle or left guard to, to keep them from getting killed. I, I, don't, I don't like the feel of it at all. And, and look, the, the, the team scouting these guys hard and visiting with them says a lot more to me than Daniel Jeremiah, who's great saying that the Titans have looked into a trade to number three. And the Cardinals could be putting that out there. It makes sense for the Cardinals to put it out there, to drum up business for number three because of the Monty Ossenfort connection with the Titans and all of that. But we go too strong with one, one rumor. You know, Derrick Henry, you know, the Titans were testing out the trade market for Derrick Henry at the Combine. Well, it's one rumor. There's one station in Nashville that talked about nothing else. I still may be talking about nothing else. And then Daniel Jeremiah says the Titans are, are, you know, gauging the cost of moving to number three. And 
we go from, you know, they dip their toe in the water about something to it's a done deal. Like, again, no, no nuance. Calm down. You have to wait and see what happens. And sure, we can have a, you know, fun conversations considering the possibilities. But the tone of some of the stuff makes it that doesn't differentiate between the idea that they may be considering something. A difference between that and them doing it. Uh, you would think that the, all the websites should trade the draft order and have the Titans drafting third the way some people are reacting to this news. My thanks to you. If you're not a member of paulkuhersky.com, it's a great month to get involved. Blake Bettingfield uh, this week did capsules on all the offensive linemen he thinks the Titans should be taking a look at. Mike Herndon's piece on uh, um, what, a, what a trade to number three would take. Uh, I'm writing the piece I mentioned about Amy Adams Strunk. I wrote this piece about Bill Parcells' criteria for uh, for quarterbacks. I'll have the big mailbag again, all for the price of $5.99 a month. You spend more than that on a fancy beer or a cup of coffee. Come aboard. Try it out for a month if you don't like it. You know, you're not going to hurt my feelings by coming and going. But you're going to come and you're going to stay. My thanks to Jaspers for sponsoring. Please go check them out. And until I see you again, please don't block the box and be sure to lock your lock.